Uh, we are in Joel. Let's read a little bit from 28, 228. If you would there, please, Joel 228, and we will be off and running. And it ca- shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams. Your mo- young men shall see visions. People have used that verse for a lot of different things in the years gone by. And also upon the, the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. And the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great, here it is, the great and terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion, I'm in 232 of Joel, and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. By the way, do you know how many times the city of Jerusalem is mentioned in the Quran? Zero. And yet it's supposed to be one of the second or third most holy site in all of... I'm telling you... Israel, Jerusalem is God's. It's God's city. And so it's day of the Lord. Uh, if you have your uh, pictures here, I gave you out earlier on. You have, just to touch base what these are, this is a, this first bigger one is about the, the prophets and the kings, when they, how they fit in together. And uh, so you can see that there. We're at the very top nearly with Joel, the very top up here, Joel. And then you can also see there are also uh, end time events. You can see end time events pass out there. And we are in the church age on the far left. And then you have, I think, quite interesting, the 12 minor prophets and where they fit in the scheme of things and where they, who they worked with, etc. That's also on, and there is another one, yet another one, and I've, I've inundated with handouts uh, that talks about the, uh, it's from John Phillips. Actually, this is from John Whitcomb. This is, uh, he borrowed it from John Whitcomb, which I borrowed it from John Phillips. And you have that says chart of the kings and prophets, starting at 931 uh, all the way down to Pompeii captured Jerusalem 30 BC. It shows you the Hebrew history, who the kings are, the prophets, and other important events or people on the far the fourth column. I think it helps us to put everything this how important it was the, this ministry of the prophets, who they are and how they fit into the scheme of things. The minor prophets are basically the pages stuck together in most people's Bibles because a lot of the Bibles never get turned to the minor prophets unless you read your Bible through, and then you have them one time per year, perhaps. And so uh, I, I'm enjoying this so much, learning so much more about what the minor prophets are doing, etc. So I put some... I put some... Uh, I got a lot of starts. I put uh, some ideas from John Phillips, and I found this quite helpful. And it's going to touch, you can read them on your own at home, all of them. But regarding prophecy, as you might well know, or maybe don't know, but in the Hebrew Bible, there's the law, the writings, and the prophets. So the law, prophets, and the writings. Those, And so in the prophets, of course, we'd have this division. Uh, in the 12, interesting, in the Hebrew culture, they had... 28 or 24 different sections, 21 sections for convenience, but they did not divide it like we have the books divided. They would just simply go from one prophecy to the next without saying, well, this is Joel, this is Haggai, this is Zacharias. And so they go from one to the next for convenience. Uh, And so it's called the Book of the Twelve. Uh, the prophetic voice was chosen by God. Uh, he took even precedence over the king. That's why the kings would go to the prophets. What's God say? So they understood that the prophet was chosen by God. Uh, they come on the scene when there's an apost- apostasy in Israel. 
the prophets number five were ministers without a portfolio. They were it's like, uh, well, here's your resume. They didn't have a resume per se. God said, I'm calling you. They walked with God, and here you go. Here's your ministry. So it wasn't like there was a, uh, we will be at, at my place. They'll be putting out in the next few days, I guess they were putting out a job description for the director of the entire ad where I work. And so there's probably a lot of people who'll be looking at that and then sharpening up their resume and sending it in to the powers that be. The powers that be are the five county judges over all the five area here. So it's, anyway, but they'll be sending those things in. Uh, but that was a prophet. God called them to do. And they just, there you go. So you're a shepherd, well, that's fine, God called you. Or you're a king or whatever, or you're, you're a high-born Isaiah who has a lot of influence already, perhaps God's called him, we do. So uh, we, they're called from God, they own allegiance only to God, and that's why they could speak to the king. That's why Nathan could speak to David, the greatest king, we would say, of Israel. You're the man, thou art the man. David, you sin, thou art. And there's a year between Bathsheba and, and the confession there, so approximately a year. So Nathan, because he was called by God, that's how that little the uh, junior prophet could go into Jehu and anoint him as king and then run out the door as fast as he could because God had called them to that ministry. So the area of prophecy began with Elijah. You can see that in your context there, ended with John the Baptist. All these prophets cannot be divorced from the times of whence they live. So as Baal worship comes on the scene, so have something to counteract Baal worship. You needed a miraculous, miracle-working Elijah and Elisha to, to countermand that. And so God called the people for specific instances. What do you notice? If you look at any of your timelines, you will notice something about when they start. It is after Saul, David, Solomon... There have gone off the scene, and then you find the prophets coming on the scene. Now, there were some non-canonical prophets before that, but the writing prophets come on the scene. Uh, remember, 930 B.C. is when the kingdom divides, and so you can see they come on the scene when there was a need for God to speak. Then there was the 400 years between the Testaments where God did not speak near as clearly or didn't speak as at all. So 400 silent years. Now there's four points to consider as we continue on for just a moment. Uh, point number one, I think these are helpful, I believe. They've turned from fighting farmers into more of a sophisticated city dwellers, and so there needed to be some, some prof as new sophistication of biblical prophecy was added. Point two, Assyria comes into the world, and Assyria changed the world, if you would. Uh, they were about aggression. They were like Vladimir Putin on a, gr a great, grand, much grander scale. They were going to take over the entire world. Perhaps Putin would like to do that, but they are, that would be the scale they were trying to do. And so they were about imperialism. Third point, the dissolution of the northern kingdom of Israel and the mass deportation by the Assyrians. And so the northern kingdom was captured, and they would assimilate them into the culture Babylonian captivity is not near as forceful. They just carried them away to Babylon. But when the Jews got there, they sort of liked it there. And they sort of, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. And so when in Babylon, do, and so they, when they finally went back, only less than 50,000 went back to Israel to rebuild. And so they had sort of liked that mindset. So we need some, we need some exilic prophets. Now, when I say exilic, that simply means people who prophesied during the exile. So if you look on one of these papers, people, people here, probably not that one. Let's look at the one that has all the lines on there. And you can see the exile. You can see the exile on here at 605 to 535. Follow Jerusalem. You'll see the fall of Jerusalem on this right-hand side. And then that's the 70 years of exile. And so those who are prophesying 
during the exile were called exilic prophets. Pre-exilic before the exile, exilic during exile, post-exilic prophets. The last three in the, in the Bible there are after the exile is over. And so that's the Jewish culture is centered around much around the exile. That's when the, uh, the idolatry was clearing off their uh, slate, if you would. And so that's important, very much important to the exile, to the Jewish people. And the final turning point is when they're going to be regathered from the exile, and they need to have, uh, interesting, uh, one point in there was they need to have a book. The Hebrews needed a book. And by the way, aren't you glad they needed a book? Because the Hebrew people is because of them that we have the Scriptures today. And so can you imagine, in our Hebrew culture, a lot of it was orally passed down. If it was to rely upon moms and dads to sons to, and can all down, America, we've had the privilege of having written down, but if it was relying upon the parents to train orally, everything you know, every Bible verse you know, my parent taught me because they knew it. Now, I've got to train my, can you, but that would develop a family. Wouldn't that develop a family? Hopefully it would. I mean, you'd stay together, learn the Bible together, have devotions together, and, and train together, and Bible, biblically speaking, who's responsible for the home, the children, that the father is, is he not? Yeah, more than schools and anybody else. It's my responsibility as a dad. There we go. That's some helpful things. Maybe they're not helpful to you. I found them quite helpful. Uh, so we find the invasion of the northern army. Second is the call to repentance. They have been called. We didn't read it earlier on, but they've been called to repent, to weep. You can see starting there about verse uh, 12, the results in 18. And the Lord will be jealous on Joel 2.18, be jealous for his land and pity his people. Yea, the Lord will answer and say unto his people, Behold, I will send you, etc. It's contingent upon humility and humbling themselves. 18 really is a turning point of the book because if they would repent, then God would, would, would answer. But I will remove far from you, verse 20, the, the northern army and will drive him into a barren and desolate with his face toward the East Sea, possibly that would be the northern uh, army that comes on in Ezekiel 38 and 39, possibly referring to the end of the tribulation. Remember, a prophet can go from immediate to imminent to future in just a word or two, so some things have a dual meaning. And so that's, uh, we, uh, we know that. The day of the Lord will not be completed till the end of, some people think even the end of the millennium, but certainly at least until the end of the tribulation period. And so we have that 28, really want to pick up 28, the promise of blessing, and it shall come to pass afterward, after these things, the preceding context, we had a locust battle in one, or locust demolition, and two, I think we have an army comes on the scene, and they're to repeat, repent and weep. And 28, we find that God's going to work in the lives, after, after a time he's going to bring the Holy Spirit in various ways. Immediate would be the locusts. Eminent would be the day of the Lord's coming at any moment. And the ultimate day of the Lord when God judges the nations and how they responded to Israel. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids, will I pour out my spirit. So that could be, when do we know that for part of that happened? When was that? When God poured out the spirit? Part of it was when? The day of Pentecost, he called, and, and there was five, uh, 3,000 saved uh, that first day. They heard the gospel in their own language and responded to that. And there was the cloven tongues of fire about their heads, etc. And 
But you do not in our era now. Remember, Acts is a transitional book. We do not, after the full giving of God's Word, we do not need those miraculous signs. And they were especially, though, also for the Jewish people, that they would see Judaism's done. This is the new covenant, the New Testament. So Peter, it poured out. But remember, a little bit different nuance between the fulfilling of these for the Jews and the fulfilling of these for uh, the Gentiles. You'll see in your end times little flyer there, your end times event, you can see there we are in the church age, ends with the rapture of the church, resurrection of church age believers, and then we have the seven years of tribulation. Uh, some would call that last, the uh, it's, not, it's not in color years, but the second half would be the great tribulation. Some say the entire seven years is the great tribulation, and a Christ signs a covenant with the Jews, that's what begins the tribulation. Rapture does not begin the tribulation. The tribulation begins when the Antichrist signs the seven-year treaty covenant with the Jewish people. Believers, if you will see, I like this part up here. We're in heaven. I like that marriage, the marriage supper, or marriage to Christ as our bridegroom. First part, I think, will be the judge. I think it's the first thing that happens personally when we get to heaven after the rapture will be the judgment seat of Christ. And what have we done or not done for the Lord? Judgment of the nations. So we find in, first of all, there's going to be a regathering of Israel, 3-1. For behold, in those days, in that time, when I bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem. So that begin the captivity carries the idea of a reverse fortunes, restore fortunes. Israel's fortunes will change as God's deal with the Gentiles over how they have treated Israel. We see that at the very end of the Olivet Discourse, they're going to get together. There's, it is called the, uh, it is the Judgment of the Gentiles in 25, 31, and following. We call it the Judgment of the Sheep and the Goats, those who trusted Christ as Savior. Now, it says nations, but also it's going to be individual. It's not going to be like, well, one whole nation, 35% were good, but 65% were bad. So you as a whole nation, you're all going to be cast into hell. He doesn't do that. He does it as individuals. So you are responsible for you, and I am responsible for me. And so that's, and what are, the, what are the nations as a whole judged for is how they treated Israel. And so that's what's going to be at the end of, and some people say that would be the day of the Lord. The day is used, obviously, there is the 24-hour period day in Genesis 21. There is a day perhaps from sunset to sunset the next day. And then there's a day as it could be longer than just 24 hours. So the day of the Lord encompasses from, it could even be Ezekiel 38, 39, that battle there, all the way through at least when he comes back to rule and to reign at the end of the tribulation. That could be the day of the Lord. Some people say then the day of God is when he has a re- the, Satan comes back a thousand years later and that last final battle, the day of God. Day of the Lord, day of God, it's yet to come. And we talk about it here. Joel talks about it here. The day of the Lord is, is at hand for him. As a matter of fact, it says it is near. If you look in 15, 115, I think it's 115. Perhaps it's not that one. The day of the Lord is, it shall come. It is near. One of those verses says it is near. I remember reading that, but it has come close. <laughs> oh, at hand. Alas, 115 for the day. For the day of the Lord is at hand. And as destruction from Almighty shall it come. And so these, the prophets of the minor prophets, these 12, again, minor does not mean they're less important. I was thinking about word like minor key, minor chord, minor surgery. 
Minor fender bender. Yes. Minor atomic bomb. Minor atomic bomb. <laughs> so just because they're called a minor prophet doesn't mean they're less than Isaiah or Jeremiah. It means that they could often, as you well know it. So uh, we, for our benefit, have labeled them minor prophets because we had law, 12 history, 5 poetry, Five major prophets and 12 minor prophets in our 39 books. So we have them divided into five categories, law, the writings, and the prophets in the Hebrew Bible. So we have the regathering of Israel, and two is the judgment of the Gentiles, verse 2 of 3. And I will also gather all nations and will bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. And they have cast lots for my people and have given a boy for an harlot and sold a girl for wine that they, may, they might drink. There's a lot more there than that, not any less. And so we'll just leave it at that. There's a lot that we can't uh, delve into or we'll take a lot of research on that. But I think they're saying there's a lot to that. We'll just continue on. Yea, and what have ye to do with me, O Tyre and Zidon, and all the coast of Palestine? Will you render me a recompense? And if you recompense me swiftly and speedily, will, will I return your recompense upon your own head? Because you have taken my silver and my gold, and have carried into your temples my goodly, th pleasant things, the children also of Judah, and the children of Jerusalem, have ye sold unto the Grecians, that you might remove them far from their border? Behold, I will raise them out of the place where ye have sold them, and will return your recompense upon your own head. So God is going to, these people who think that they're living high, wide, and handsome, and they're going to end that way, are going to find out not so. God will call them to account. Now, God may use the Babylonians and the Assyrians and the Medo-Persians and the Germans and, and the Grecians and the Romans and all these people, and the Americans, whoever want to persecute and harm the Jews, but eventually we're going to be held account. Nations will be held account, and people will be held account for how they have treated his Children, uh, eight, and I will sell your sons and your daughters in the hand of the children of Judah, and they shall sell them to the Sabaeans, to a people far off, for the Lord has spoken it. Proclaim ye this among the Gentiles. Prepare war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Assemble yourselves and come, all ye heathen, and gather yourselves together round about. Thither calls thy mighty ones to come down, O Lord. Let the heathen be awakened, awakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat, for there will I sit to judge all the heathen round about. What comes to your mind when we read those 11 verses? Bring it on. Bring it on. What? event yet to come as you're turning to uh, revelation 16 would fit right in here revelation 16 please revelation 16 big word quick armageddon uh 16 13 if you would be pleased now by the way the battle jehoshaphat i put it in the valley we just don't know for sure where that is uh some people uh different places but uh we find the ungodly gentiles have hurt the jewish people in so many ways god will exact his recompense upon them uh i thought question number 12 commanding or question number two sorry commanding accountability they're going to be accountable they're called ready to make war 
In, in Revelation chapter 16, uh, the sixth angel poured out, verse 12, his vile bowl upon the great river Euphrates, and the water there was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles, which go forth into the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. He gathered, and he gathered them together into a place which is called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon, Mount Megiddo. That is the only place in Scripture where that term is used. And, but that's if you talk about, oh, we know the word Armageddon, the end of the world. It's one place, it's the valley of Megiddo. It's divided one like that. It's, it's a great place to bivouac armies. It's going to be this whole valley all the way down from Megiddo, all the way down to Jerusalem. And that's going to be this, I think we find Joel fits right in here. It, it, it is the uh, it's the time of decision. I thought that valley of decision uh, was the people, but actually it's the, the decision part is on, on, on God's end. He is going to decide, and he's going to judge them for how. It's not like they're deciding to be saved or not. It's God is deciding they're in the valley of his judgment now. And so he is going to call them to, to account. Plowshares, the swords, pruning hooks, the spears. Interesting, in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4, Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4, says for us here, And he shall judge among the nations and rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. So how does that work? Believe So this, they're getting ready for battle. In Isaiah, the battle's done, and they're in the millennial thousand-year reign of Christ. So we're going to study that, the old African spiritual, and going to study war no more, and go lay down, etc. All those things. That's, that's the idea in Isaiah. Here, they're getting ready for the battle. Yes. Yes. That's it. And he says in 13, Put ye in the sickle then, for the harvest is ripe. Come, get ye down, for the press is full, the fats overflow, for the wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. And the sun and the moon shall be darkened, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. Oh, that's going to be quite the awesome battle, isn't it? Aren't you glad? We'll be coming back, I believe, with him, and we will see that in some capacity. But at this battle, Armageddon, we don't have to fight at all. God does all the fighting, and the people who resist him do all the losing, and he, he's going to be in charge. Well, we close up uh, the restoration of Israel, and we, let's continue on at 16. And the Lord also shall roar out of Zion. We cannot read Scripture, but even in the prophets realize Zion Israel, Jerusalem is such an integral part of prophetic scripture past, not near as much now, but it will be certainly coming soon, I believe. Uh, 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 and so it's, it's Israel's place. It's, it's their homeland. He shall utter his voice from Jerusalem. The one city that he picks out to really respond from, the city of Jerusalem. And the heavens and earth shall shake, but the Lord shall be the hope of his, of his people and the strength of his children of Israel. Aren't you glad we're on God's side? 
and that he's on our side, I mean, as his children, because otherwise it's going to be the shaking and there's not going to be any response, or we have no hope for those who are standing against him. So shall you know that I am the Lord your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain, my holy mountain, he says. Then shall Jerusalem be holy, and there shall be no strangers pass through her anymore. And it shall come to pass in that day that the mountains shall drop down new wine, and the hills shall flow with milk, and all the rivers of Judah shall flow with waters, and a fountain shall come forth to the house of the Lord, and shall water the valley of Shittim. Egypt shall be a desolation, and Edom shall be a desolate wilderness for the violence against the children of Judah, because they have shed innocent blood in their land. But Judah shall dwell forever." And Jerusalem from generation to generation, and I will cleanse their blood that I have not cleansed, for the Lord dwelleth in Zion. That is pretty definitive. Just this one book alone is going to set to rest this idea that it is an Islamic place and that Israel's never had any really history there. Like the United Nations said back in 2016, some kind of a thing they put out that the, you know they don't really have any history in Israel. That's, that's where... That's, and a history all the way back from, I don't know, was David the first to capture Jerusalem as an Israelite? I think he was the first Israelite to capture Jerusalem. And so I think he was. And so but it's, it's been Israel's history since a thousand, almost a thousand BC. And so it's part of their history. And so we rest, aren't you glad you are on God's side and he is on our side as a Christian? And I read Garden House quote once again, I read it last time. We Jews are waterproof and fireproof. God has blessed us so that nobody can successfully curse us, and we shall be here long after our enemies have perished. And by the way, we as God's children will be here long after those who have rejected God have also perished, sadly. Well, he turns, he turns his, in a half, you're, I think in halfway through, he turns and persecutes the Jews. He does come in as peace. But we want, if you talk what people will give now to have peace, they will do anything. We'll give up a lot of our own rights if we have peace and somebody can provide it for us all the time. So peace is, what, I think it's going to be his coattail to get in. And the Jews are going to say, I think, I, I think some of them are going to think possibly he's the, their Messiah, I think possibly. And then, then he's going to turn on them in the middle and offer that sacrifice in the temple. And, but I believe we will be once the rap, you know, we're out with the rapture, and we won't have to, won't have to go through all that. I believe. Let's pray together, Lord. We are thankful. We want to say we are thankful for who you are and your plan for the ages. May we be used by you until it is our turn through the rapture or through maybe through passing to go home to be with you. May we be about your business. We thank you that you love us so much. You have it all planned for eternity. And Lord, we just, we just look forward to spending that eternity with you. May we be excited about what you have in store for us. May we be concerned about our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And we be concerned about those who do not know you yet, the, the awful suffering they're going to do if they reject you. Be with, help us to be about, again, your business until you, on Sunday again. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.